tonight, chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5, we started there last week and started and dealt with the first five verses and uh, tonight we're going to pick up verse number 6 and we preached along the lines of, of a justification that brings joy to our life and justification is something that should uh, should stir us up a little bit if we've been justified. It should excite us to know that we're justified in the eyes of God. But in verses 6 through 11 is where we'll read tonight, and uh, we'll go as far as the Lord allows us to, as long as we get done before Brother Terry would. The Bible says, verse number 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Father, I pray you'd bless the reading of your word tonight. I pray you'd bless these dear folks here at Open Door Baptist Church. And I pray, God, that you'd just help us to glean some things from your word tonight that'll help us and encourage us. Lord, it'll give us a zeal to be a light and a witness for you in a lost and dying world, Father. And I pray, God, you'd bless and help and deal with each heart according to your will, Lord, and God, you know the needs of every individual in this building tonight, Father, and I pray, God, you'd meet that according to your will tonight. We'll be careful to thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we started out in verse number 1 and through 5, and we dealt with the consequences of, of justification and those things, that uh, the effect that being justified had upon us. Uh, but tonight we'll look at verse 6 through 11, the cause of justification, uh, why it happened, what it's all about, and, and and why God did it. But we see here, when we think about that word cause, uh, a lot of words that we, we use, sometimes we we just use them kind of flippantly. We really, I really don't know what they mean. Sometimes I'll say something and somebody say, you know what that means? I'm like, yeah, kind of, sort of. But I uh, don't really know what they mean, but uh, it's good to look up words, even simple words, and it'll, it'll enlighten you on the, some words that we use. And that word, that phrase, cause, uh, it says we mean the fact that God brought into existence and produced salvation for the sinner through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the cause of justification today. God done that for you and I. He didn't have to do that. But he produced that uh, for humanity so that they could be saved. And, and he, he produced that through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that 
people could be saved. It's been said like this. Uh, I believe uh, Dr. Tab put it this way. He said, uh, God the Father planned salvation, and God the Son provided salvation, and God the Holy Spirit places salvation in you when you get justified. Amen? So God's all around being saved, but you notice in that those phrases that it didn't say we had anything to do with that whatsoever. It's all about Him, it's all by Him, it's all for Him, and and without Him, it wouldn't be made possible today. So uh, the cause of justification wrapped up in that uh, introduction of what the cause of, of justification is, it's made possible by the crucifixion, if you will, of Jesus Christ. For salvation, in verse 6 and 7, we'll see that tonight, but for the cause of for salvation to, to be possible to the sinner, uh, the crucifixion was necessary for justification. Without Calvary, without the cross, the sinner has no justification whatsoever. And therefore, if they have no justification, they have no hope. And if they have no hope, they'll never walk into that place called heaven one day. Uh, But they'll be exiled to that place called hell forever and ever and ever because there's no justification possible for them. And Ephesians Uh, Chapter number 2 and verse 12, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus and he said this, that at that time you were without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. You realize every one of us was there at one time. Every one of us was born into this world that way and we were that way until we got justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And once we... uh, uh, got justified, we do have a hope th- tonight. We do have hope in God, and we know that, hey, whether uh, we go by the way of the clouds or we go by the way of the clouds, that we're going to be in heaven one day, not not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, uh, not because uh, we bought it, but because uh, Christ died for us, and He gave us that free gift uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ as He died on that cross, and He gave us uh, uh, the free gift of salvation and justification that's going to get us to heaven one day. That's the only thing, by the way, that's going to get us to heaven. Amen? When, when we think about that, we think about when the crucifixion actually happened, and the Bible uh, reveals to us, and here in the book of Romans, how all of these things came to pass in verse number 6 there, it talks about, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time. Now that phrase is very interesting, but we understand that, that God does everything in His own time. In due time, He does everything right on time. Amen? He does not, he does not do it on our time frame. He does not do it on the world's time frame, but He does it on His own time frame. But salvation was made for you and I in due time for because of what God wanted to do, not what we wanted to do. And when we look at that word crucifixion and the time of the crucifixion, it's very important because uh, Paul is revealing to us, if you will tonight, uh, some two aspects of regarding this time. It talks about the powerlessness of the sinner. The center of the Bible says that we read it tonight that he was without strength. So what does that mean? That means that there was no strength within him that would ever get him to the point in his life where he could be 
saved. There's no strength within his body that he could ever muster up enough that would make him right in the eyes of God. There's nothing that he could do that would ever make God uh, love and care for him. There was nothing uh, that he could do to, to, to cause God to have favor on him. So we see, uh, when we think about that, we think about how powerless uh, the sinner, the unsaved person truly is. And this is the fact that a lost person does not have the strength to live a holy life. He can't do, he can't turn over a leaf enough to be right in the eyes of Almighty God here. And as we begin to think about that, it implies uh, the weakness keeps us from achieving a holy life because sin, man could not stand before God and be morally right. There's no man that's going to stand and, and they can say all day long that they want to shake their fist in the face of God and tell Him about it one day, but I can promise you this... When they stand before God, there's nobody going to be shaking no fist in the face of God. And there's nobody going to be telling God uh, the what for, but they're going to be bowing down and they're going to be, uh, they're going to, they're going to let everybody know that He's Lord just before they're cast into the lake of fire. And we need to realize <coughs> that there's no strength within man that can cause him to be holy before God. Why? It's because of sin. So Christ died for sinners, uh, and they had no strength to be right with God. Salvation uh, can't be obtained by doing better. Salvation here, as we think about it, only comes when a person realizes that they're a sinner, and they realize their need to be saved from the wrath of Almighty God. I'm, I'm afraid a lot of times, if we're not real careful, especially as preachers, we'll, we'll try to reveal to, to lost people that they're sinners long before the Spirit of God ever begins to deal with their heart. And oh, we got to be careful and make sure that we're not uh, trying to draw them and allow the Spirit of God to do the work in their heart. And I promise you, hey, when the Spirit of God reveals to you tonight that you're lost and you're undone and you're on your way to hell, hey, it'll be real easy for you to get saved tonight. Amen? It'll be real easy for you to get justified in the eyes of the Lord. It'll be real easy for you uh, to get gain that unmerited gift of salvation today. Hey, it's all by the work of the Spirit that He does in our heart, and we need to allow Him to let Him work in our hearts and lives to put us where we need to be so we can get saved and so we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. Amen. The Spirit of God is very, very important in our life as a child of God after we get saved. So it can't be obtained by doing better it's only by realizing by the Spirit of God moving in our heart that we need to be saved. Now, I know when my kids were raised in church and, and we pumped it in their head that they were sinners from birth and, and, and until they got saved by the grace of God, there was no way they were getting into heaven. And, and we wanted them to understand the realization, the realization of leaving this world not saved. And we wanted them to know that, and we wanted to know that, and, and, and we taught them that, and then when God began to deal with their heart, 
hey, they knew what was taking place. They understood what was going on. And, and because it wasn't a foreign story to them, it wasn't a foreign gospel to them, it, it wasn't foreign what God was doing, hey, they were, they were expecting it. They were looking for it. They were anticipating it. And hey, hey, if we can preach to lost people and let them know and give them the place to anticipate when the Spirit of God deals with your heart, my, what an opportunity that you have to come and get saved and get born again by the grace of God so that you can walk in heaven one day as a saved person in your sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. We see uh, that when that crucifixion happened, but we see who was crucified. It was Christ that died for the ungodly. That what it says, verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly. We see here that the Bible says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. See, Christ did not die on the cross for those who deserve it. So He didn't die for me on the cross because I deserved Him to die for me. No, He didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't die for me because I deserved it. He died for me because He knew I deserved hell. He died for me because there was no strength in me to get right with Him. There's, there was no strength in me. Uh, that was going to get me to the place uh, where I could be right with God and there was none of that going to happen. And He knew that I was going to go to hell because I was a sinner and I was lost and I was undone and there was nothing to be done for that. And He done that because He had mercy on my soul uh, when He was hanging on that cross between heaven and earth and He shed His blood. And hey, He, he get mercy is he, us getting what we, don't, what we do deserve. And God took that away and, and He saved me and washed me and give me a home in heaven and you know what his mercy uh, was real in my life and hey I won't have to go to hell anymore why because of the blood of Jesus Christ amen he died for sinners he died for the ungodly amen he died for those that realize their ungodliness we see his crucifixion but in verse 8 we see his Compassion. Compassion. The Bible says, But God commended His love toward us and while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. See, our reason for justification is simply this tonight. is because of His love for humanity. That's the only reason we can ever wrap our mind about around anything that God does is simply because He loved man. He loved man as He created Adam in the Garden of Eden and, 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 and He created Eve in the Garden of Eden so much so that He would come down in the cool of the day and fellowship with them and walk with them and talk with them and, and all God's ever wanted to do was to have a relationship with man. And all that He's ever wanted to do is have fellowship with man on the right things and the holy things and God has desired that and we see that he, the reason that He justified as an individual, the reason that he was crucified was simply because God loves humanity. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, without God's compassion toward man, no one would ever be saved. You realize that the only reason we love him tonight is because he first loved us. He first, he made the first move. He made the first move on Calvary when he, he died on that cross. He stretched out his arms and he died for a lost and dying world. He, he demonstrated to this world how much he truly loved humanity. He demonstrated, hey, to God how much he loved humanity. He demonstrated to the devil how much he loved and wanted to save humanity. Oh, how he demonstrated his love to a, a lost and dying world. And every time we pick up that Bible, and we read about how Christ suffered and died for you and I, we see, oh, the magnitude of our sin. Oh, but more than that, we see the greatness of His love that He has for you and I tonight. And I'm so thankful for the love that God demonstrated for you and I on the cross of Calvary. Amen. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, 9, In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that He sent His only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through Him. When, that, when God commendeth, He declared, He demonstrated, He displayed that His love for every man is very, very great. See, Christ's death on the cross provides God's compassion and great love for man. The sacrifice in God's love. Christ died for us. Great love was shown by Christ in the greatness of his sacrifice. Great sacrifice will always show forth a great love. The greater the sacrifice, matter of fact, shows forth greater love. And I think you'll agree with me tonight, reading the account of the sacrifice that was made on Golgotha's hill that day, we can see how great of love that God has for a lost and dying world. But not only that, we see the sanctity of God's love, the very fact that He died. See, love is never defiling in conduct. Think true love is never defiling in conduct. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this about love. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. See, God's love is holy, pure, it's sanctified, and it's righteous. See, God loves us in a way that it's hard for us to understand all about the way that God loves us. Because see, all we know is about the love of the world and how, the, how, how things are in the world and, and how, that, how that all the things are that's called love in the world that we have. But God loves us with a pure and holy and righteous love. And he, he shows us that on a daily basis. We see, we see the sacrifice. We see the sanctity. But we see the salvation that's in God's love. See, He's done all of that for us. For us. See, love that is real will benefit the object love. If you say you love something, and if you truly love something, whatever you love is going to benefit from the love that you have for it. Amen? It's sort of like a husband and wife, how a husband can tell his wife that he loves her. But if he never 
puts action behind his words. It's just words. Just words. And see what? Most people won't, don't want to know, don't want to hear you say how much they love you. They want to see you show them how much you love them. See, with love, when we say that we love, there's got to be an action behind it. There's got to be proof behind it. There's got to be more than just uh, words behind it. And, and if all we'd ever had was the Bible that this said this is what happened, but uh, history didn't prove what had happened, it would be hard for us to believe of what the Bible says, but I'm glad that that we have a hit. This Bible is a history book, but this Bible is a historical book, and it's it's exactly what happened when Christ died on the cross, and we can believe it because God said it. We can believe it because God did it. We can believe it because it did happen in this world. It's not a fairy tale. Hey, it's not something that some writer just set up and dreamed up in their mind. This Bible is inspired by the very God that sits in heaven today. Hey, it's holy and it's inspired. Hey, and it's right from the mind of God. And we know that it took place. Why? Because God said it. Amen. Salvation is God's love for us. See, love is real. It benefits that object love. Calvary tells us what the love of God will do for us. You know what the love of God will do for you? It'll save you. Amen. It'll save you tonight. That's what it'll do for you. It's more than just empty words. Christ Christ was my substitute. He was your substitute. He was the substitute for the whole world. And He took upon Himself the sin of the whole world as He was hanging on that cross. And He took upon Himself our judgment of God. And He took all of those things upon Himself. And the only way that anybody can experience this love of God is to accept the salvation that is offered to them by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. Listen to this. Through Christ Jesus. You realize that everything that Every need that you have, He supplies through Christ Jesus. You think about that. You see how important Christ is? You see how important Christ is? Without Him, we wouldn't be saved today. Without Him, we wouldn't be right today. Without Him, we wouldn't be going to heaven today. Why? Because there'd be no sacrifice for sin. We see the compassion of God. We see the cleansing by the blood. The Bible says being justified by being justified by his blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, not turtle doves, not drink offerings, not meal offerings, not meat offerings, but we're justified by his blood. Remember we said last week justification, a good definition of justification is justified never sin. What makes us that way? What gets us that place? What gets us to that place being justified by His blood? Justification or salvation, uh, the two are inseparable, cannot be separated from the shed blood of Christ. You see what a danger it is for us to, to for people today to try to remove the blood from Christianity? You remove the blood from Christianity, you don't have Christianity. 
you, you take away the bloods, you don't have salvation. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, and, all, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. You remember, you remember the story in the Bible of Cain and Abel? And you remember how both them boys were bringing a sacrifice to God? One brought of the fruit of the ground. The other one brought of the blood. And how he rejected the one from the fruit of the ground and he accepted the one by the blood. Why is that? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. It takes the blood for one to make a sacrifice that God is pleased with. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, redemption tonight is, is not on us. Redemption is all God's doings in our life. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're not redeemed with silver, and we're not redeemed with gold, and we're not, we're not redeemed by any of those carnal things. We're redeemed by the perfect, sinless precious blood of the Lamb of God. And you get to thinking about that, and man, God done all of that for you and I, and when did He do it? Not when we was righteous, not when we was holy, not when we was right before God. He done that while we were yet sinners. He done that while we were the enemy of God. We are just as guilty is those Roman soldiers that nailed Him to that cross. Hey, we're just as guilty as those that stood there and mocked Him and jeered Him. And He done all of that for all of those people. And you and I too, when we were, while we were yet sinners. <laughs> you think about that. When we were the enemy of God, He done all of those things for you and I. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We see grace is the source of justification. Faith is the condition for justification. Works is the evidence of justification. The blood is the means of justification. So when a person is justified, there's going to be some things that happen in their life. We dealt with some of them last week, those consequences of being justified. The Bible says when we get justified, when we get saved by the grace of God, uh, we see that there's going to be some things that are going to be happening in our life. There's going to be some evidences of there in our life. They, they, there's going to be works in our life. There's going to be all of these things in our life that's taking place that we've never done before. Why? Because God has made us a new creature. We're not like the Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're new. 
we're different. Amen? We're different because of the justification that God gives us. The Bible says in Exodus chapter number 12, we see the type of this blood in the Old Testament. In verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. You know what's going to keep people from experiencing the second death? The blood of Christ. He said when he sees the blood, he'll pass over you. We see the reconciliation there. We're reconciled to God. By being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Reconciled, that means being brought into a friendship from a state of disagreement or enmity. You know what? When you were lost, we were had a great disagreement with God. Or matter of fact, God greatly disagreed with us. And see, when we were lost, there was a there was that enmity there. Because I don't know about you, but when I was lost, Brother Terry, I didn't want to be around saved people. I didn't. When I was lost, Brother Terry, I didn't want to go to church. Matter of fact, when I was lost, I didn't even want nobody from the church coming to my house. Why? Because I was an enemy of God. And if I was an enemy of God, you know what? I was an enemy of God's people. And I can remember very vividly about three or four months before I got saved, I was out on a Saturday, or maybe it was a Tuesday evening or something. I was working in the garden, and this car pulls up, and these two guys get out dressed sort of like me and Brother Terry. And uh, they walk over there to where I'm at, and they introduce me, introduced themselves to me. And they were from the Flowery Branch First Baptist Church. And um, they come to invite me to church. And man, I ain't never been so mad in all my life. I, it just, it just, man, it made me mad. I'm like, they ain't got nothing better to do than come over here and invite me. It just, it just made me so mad. And there was one guy, Brother Terry, he, was, he stuttered so bad he couldn't even get a full sentence out. And I'm like, and I just, I was just standing there, you know, I was just boiling on the inside. Well, they left, and I dismissed that. And I'm telling you, it wasn't about two months after that, the Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart. And I'm telling you what, He put me under a conviction like you would not believe. And man, I thought I was fixing to leave this world, and I knew if I did, I was going to split hell wide open. And he began dealing with my heart and dealing with my heart and dealing with my heart. And I finally, he finally humbled me and broke me. And I got saved by the grace of God. And I went to church up there at Hillcrest with Brother Hatcher and I was telling him that experience. And Brother Hatcher said, I know that guy that come and visited you that and it stuttered so bad. And I said, do you? And he said, yeah, he works with me at the hospital. I said, well, be sure and tell that guy I got saved. And I said, he might have had something to do with it that day when he come and visited me. But see, God knows what He's doing. He put that thought in my head. I was boiling. Hey, I was lost and undone. I didn't want to be around church people. I got saved. You know what happened? My wife got saved. You know what happened? We started going to church. 
We started going, and you know when we went to church? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I'm like, where'd this come from? And I'm sure people that knowed me like, where'd this come from? And her mom and daddy, they were watching us, and they're like, where'd this come from? And I'm like, man, the Lord really done something in my wife's life and done something in my life. And because of that, it was all because of the blood, not because we deserved it. The way I acted that day, you know what? It'd been, God had been just, just, just if He'd have killed me right there in that garden for the way I acted. But you know what He did? He had mercy on me. And He let His grace tiptoe through my life and show me how much He loved me and cared for me, even when I was an enemy. Of God, see, I wasn't his friend, and we had some disagreements. But he brought me around to his way of thinking. He brought me around to his say. See, when reconciliation happens, the Bible says, verse ten: For if when we were enemies, he he done that. When when we were yet without strength, while we were yet sinners, the way of reconciliation, verse ten: We're reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Reconciliation happens because of Calvary. Salvation is never apart from Jesus Christ and His substitutionary death. And we, re- we see also the continuance of Christ in our life. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Justification, salvation, reconciliation is the result of Christ's life as well as the crucifixion of Christ Himself. What I'm trying to say to you today is we are saved by His life by His continuing to live after Calvary because of His resurrection. One day, He's going to resurrect us to a place called heaven. Amen. Amen. Not because we deserve it. It's because we're washed in the blood. Because the resurrection is key to the intercessory ministry of saving others. When we think about the resurrection, Christ's promises are continual. Living Christ and His ministry of reconciliation. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore He is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make an intercession for them. You realize that He's interceding. Christ is interceding on behalf of the lost man today. You remember over in the book of John where he was praying and he was praying for believers that had not yet been saved? He was praying on behalf of lost people. You know what? That tells us if Christ is doing that, how much more should we be praying on, the Christ, on behalf of lost people? Amen. We should be praying on their Behalf. Hebrews chapter number 2 verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be merciful and faithful and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. 2 Corinthians 5.18 And I'm done. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given uh, to us the ministry of of reconciliation. You remember the last verse that I said that I, I read to you Sunday night? Do anybody remember? That was it. Talking about how we have a ministry of reconciliation. It's our job to go out and do all we can to reconcile others that's that may have got away from God.
that's backslid on God and how God saves us, washes us in the blood, forgives us of all manner of sin and how God wants us to go out and, and share what God has done with, for us with others so that we can reconcile them back in the good grace of God Almighty. You realize God has given us a ministry. You say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I do. He wants us to be ministers of reconciliation to help get other people back where they need to be with the Lord. You'll never know what it'll mean. There was a there's a guy that that we went to church with, and he uh, he was faithful to church, and I mean he was doing things for God, and he was he was a worker, and I mean he would do anything you ask him to do, and he got a new job and he started working, and and, and job the work came and the work came and the work came, and before you know it, he was so busy working he got out of church, and I'm talking about for several years. He got out of church, and every time I'd see him, I'd try to do everything I could to encourage him to get back to church, to encourage him to get back to church, to encourage him to get back to church. And you know what? I don't think it's, I'm going to claim it because I prayed for him, but I think there's a lot of other people praying for him. You know what? He's back in church tonight. You know, I know several friends of mine that were friends of him would just encourage him every time we see him. We didn't beat him over the head, tell him how sorry he was, how dirty and how rotten he was. We didn't tell him that. We just, every time I seen him, I'd hug his neck and I'd say, I love you. And I let him know that. And other people let him know that. And you know what? It worked to God's benefit because you know what? He's back in the house of God serving the Lord. So it works. It takes some time, but it works. It works because God would not have put it in the book if it couldn't be accomplished. Remember this, I can't, but he can. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Thank you for these that's listened so patiently, Lord. And and I pray, God, that we would leave this place just thinking and meditating and being thankful over the fact that you justified us one day. You made us right in the sight of God through the blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary. And by your resurrection, we know, Father, that when this thing's all said and done, we're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven forever and ever and ever. Not because we deserve it, but because God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross and to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world and raised him from the dead on that third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And because when we receive that by grace through faith, Lord, that we're saved and we're justified and we're on our way to heaven forevermore. Thank you for grace and mercy that you allowed to impart our life one day. And we sure love you and thank you for doing all that you've done for us. Now bless and have your way. Be with all the prayer requests mentioned tonight. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.